tonight, actually, what I want to do is I want to actually open up in Ephesians. And I want to read from Ephesians 4. It won't be up on the screen. If you want to go there, you can and follow along. But I'm going to read it here. Uh, And so we're going to read Ephesians 4, verse 29. It reads, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, and it may give grace to those who hear. This is really what we're going to be talking about tonight. And before we jump in too far, um, if you're new or you weren't here last week, we're in this series, as you saw, called No Filter. Uh, And the idea is really embracing the fact that whenever we're on social media, whenever we're out and about, even in the real world, we oftentimes will try to change how our perspective is. And oftentimes we don't need to. We're made exactly how we need to be. And so last week, Brad had talked about how we are God's masterpieces and how he made us exactly how he intended. And it doesn't matter how many likes we get on Facebook because the one person that does matter is God, and he likes us exactly as we are. We don't have to change our appearance by our filter, and we don't have to try to get their likes. But tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a different steer with this idea of no filters. We're actually going to talk about the one filter that we often forget to put on, and sometimes we need to. But before we jump in too far, uh, we will talk briefly about politics, but not this current election. As a matter of fact, I want to jump back eight years. I want to jump back to the 2008 election. For many of us, that was maybe hard to remember. Most of the leaders probably remember it. It was a pretty historic. It was the year that for the very first time an African-American had a good, good shot at becoming president. And as we know, he did. He was our president for the last eight years. The reason I remember this so well for me was I was in seventh grade in middle school. And at the time, with the height of my social media usage, because all I ever did was talk with people on it about politics. Uh, I remember I would go to school every single morning in seventh grade, sit down at the table with all my other classmates before school, and that's all we would do. We would talk politics, we would talk who was right, who was wrong, who was going to be the president, and why that person was horrible for their beliefs. Then we'd go home after school and we'd continue in the discussion. We'd hop on Facebook, Twitter was up then, I didn't have Twitter, I didn't like it, sorry if you like Twitter, but we'd get into heated debates over the smallest of little things and it just tearing us apart. Some of my closest friends who I knew well at the time, we'd end up in fights in matters of seconds over the smallest little thing. And so, not surprisingly, we didn't talk much for the next year. There were a lot of different reasons, but when it came down to it, I was rude to them, I was very prideful, and I was distracted both of us. It wasn't a good situation to have in our relationship. No matter what he said one way or another, I wasn't representing myself well. What I was saying was destroying my life in the way that I was living it. If I look back on it, I would have liked to say in the time that I was a good person, that I was doing things and I was friends with everyone. But in reality, I was a very argumentative, disruptive, and just mean person because all I wanted to do was argue about the politics. And so my problem was that no matter what I ended up talking about or who I did it with, a lot of times I was just tearing them down. I would say things intentionally to hurt them or to bring them down. But in the end, I was never building them up. 
And so I had no filter. In modern day terms, we'd oftentimes say that I was uncensored. Whatever I said, I'd just blurt out, and I'd stand by it 100%. Oftentimes, what we do today in social media. And so I was letting my words run rampant, and it would break people down. But what we need is to find a way to actually filter what we're saying, to build people up, not just have it plain so we break people down. And so that's what we're going to be talking about a lot. How, how do we do that, right? We all know those scenarios. Somebody will say something, make a jab, or hurt us in such a way that all we want to do is get back at them. All we want to do is go on to face, call them out, gossip about them behind their back, and just make fun of them, right? It's, it's our gut instinct, our gut reaction. We end up saying to ourselves when we do these things, uh, it's only one post, right? We go on Twitter or Facebook and we get up and we end up saying, it's only one post, it won't matter that much, I just need to get rid of this aggression. Or we say, they won't care that much, it's just one small thing, it's just me. Or the last, it will be gone in a day. No one will really care, right? We, we try to justify these reasons by saying that social media will just forget about it. Because of this, we figure that by tomorrow everyone will have gotten, the person will have passed on from it, and no one will care. But the truth is, is that when we do those things, people remember. It affects them. It affects us. It affects how we're acting by the simple things that we say. And so when we look at it, we can oftentimes realize that our words have a lasting effect, whether it's a post that we're making or a conversation that we have in person. Our posts will stay forever. They don't just disappear. People remember when they're posted, and they'll go back to them years later, and when they see them, that's what they'll think of us. And then the other thing is that we realize that we'll end up tearing people down. We also realize we can build people up. We've seen it done. Oftentimes, we'll say we're going through a hard time, even our community groups, and people immediately respond with, I'm there for you. If you need me, give me, or just give me a call. And it builds you up. It makes you feel good, right? So then, how do we go about filtering what we say and what we post? How do we go about these conversations? We need to make sure that in everything that we do, we're building people, never tearing them down. And... This is exactly what we're going to discuss today, and we're going to be looking in particular at James in the Bible. And here he's specifically talking uh, to Christians, but the, the core message that he's giving is for everyone. And it's something that, if you are a Christian, change your life. And so in James we see Jesus, uh, his brother, actually, who is James, talking. And he's writing, like I said, to his fellow Christians, and he's talking about all of the different ways to live a godly life and how to, sh- how to show that, not just talk about. And so in this, he talks about all the conflict that's going on at the time between uh, Jews and the Gentiles and the poor and the rich. And everybody's arguing and fighting, trying to get positions of basically prestige or places where what they say matters. And so with that, we look uh, into James 3, verse 1 through 12. It'll be up in the screen in NIV, and I'll be reading it here for you. Uh, but feel free to follow along or turn there. But it reads, James 1, or 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged strictly. We, or we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect 
able to keep their whole fleet in check. When we put bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animal birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a spring produce fresh water. So let's look at what James is saying here. As I mentioned earlier, at the time, a lot of people were trying to get in positions where they'd be respected, what they said would matter, basically, so they fight and they'd be popular. And here we see him directly addressing that in the first verse. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He's pulling up at the time frame that while people wanted this position, what they were going to say really is what mattered. And if they got up and they just used the position to promote what they thought right and instead ending up hurting others, they're going to be judged even more so for what they say and what they do in their actions. Then we see he elaborates into uh, what in particular he's talking about, and it's what they're going to say as teachers. And so we look at verse 2 through 4, and we see that he says, we all stumble in many ways, right? We are all falling. We all have flaws. We're all going to fall short. But he gives the goal, what we should strive after. He says, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. He shows here how even though your words, your tongue, is such a small part of everything, it can determine exactly where your life is going and how it changes. And that's what he elaborates on in verse 5. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been by mankind, but no human being can tame, tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here he points out that while the tongue is small, it plays a huge role 
Because what we say affects only us, it affects everyone else. We go on Facebook and we see that one girl or guy in our class who for whatever reason just kind of ticks us off. Like for whatever reason, their personality just doesn't rub right with ours or something. And immediately, we almost just want to post on their page. Put them down, put something negative, right? Or somebody that we distinctly don't like. We go on their page and we comment on one of their photos because simply want to make them feel bad that day. And that is what changes it. That one tiny little spark, as it says, can set the whole fire ablaze. It affects the entire body. I was in middle school and I would talk with all my classmates. If you would have asked any single one of them, I guarantee you they would have came back and said, he's just argumentative, disruptive, and he doesn't want to listen. And all he does is make me feel bad. But at the time, asked me, I would have said, no, I'm a nice guy. I try to get along with people. And the reason is because what I said changed my entire being. It changed who I was at the time. And it made me into a person I didn't want to be. My entire body was corrupted by the evil of the words that I was using. And then we read the end of this, where James talks about in verse 9 through 12 the importance of basically making sure of what we're saying and the hope of what there is. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Here he points out right at the start, with our tongues, with our words, we can praise, honor, and glorify God. We can build others up. We can build self up with what we say and how we act. But at the same time, we can curse the others around us, the same people that are made like God, his masterpieces that are no different. He loves them and cares for them. And just like last week when we talked about how you can have a photo and you want it to get a lot of likes, and if it doesn't or somebody makes a bad comment, it tears you down. The same applies to them. And so when we can go to a church service on Sunday and we can sit down and we can praise God one hour and the next we could go home and we could bash on a friend at school the next with the same mouth. But it can produce good. And that's James' point here is in the end he says, with the tongue we praise the Lord and Father and we can one another up. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water, but a fresh water spring can. It is always one or the other, and there is that option. And that's where we get to the main point he's making here with all of it, is we need to filter our words. But as he said, we can't do it by ourselves. I'm sure you're asking, how can I control what I say when just moments ago we read, no man can tame the tongue. No one can. His point is he wants us to look back to what had just happened. All the people that were around had just witnessed what his brother Jesus had done. He lived his entire life perfect in control of his tongue. In what he said, in what he did, the life he lived should have been seen perfect. But instead he was persecuted, 
and yelled at and accused of everything that he didn't do, that he didn't deserve. And so we look even at when he was brought to Pilate in his own life. He came up and Pilate asked him, are you the son of God? Which everyone was claiming that that he was saying. He simply replied with a few words. He said, you have said so. In every single gospel, it says Pilate continued to question him afterwards, and he said nothing. And because Pilate was amazed, everyone says Pilate was amazed, and turns to the crowd and says, I can't find any fault with this man. He said little, but spoke volumes, because he had control over what he was saying. Through that, because he didn't say anything, he could have stood up, he could have defended himself, he could have 100% proved everyone there wrong. Because he had the evidence, he had witnesses, people around who would support him if he just stood up. But instead he didn't. And he went and died on the cross for our sins, benefiting and building everyone's world up. Bringing us to a point where we can be with God in heaven. Not only that, we look at some of his final words that he gave to us when he was on the cross. It'll be up on the screen, but in 23, verse 34, we look. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. He's been nailed to the cross, whipped with thorns in his head. And has all right to start yelling at everyone that is around him, casting lots for his clothes, mocking him and yelling. But what does he do with some of his last breaths? He asks God to forgive them. He wants good for their lives, and he tries to build them up, saying, forgive them of what they're doing. They don't know. And this is huge. Because while James says that we cannot control ourselves, no human can tame the tongue, he does point to the fact that with Jesus Christ, with his death and resurrection, because of his grace, through him we can have strength to control what we say, to filter what we say. So it not only benefits us, but everyone around us, and builds us up stronger in Christ. It sets us as examples in our life from day to day. It changes us from people that when they look at us and say, all they want to do is argue and dispute, and I just don't like them, to people that he's always friendly, he's kind, they're there for me when I need them, they're willing to listen. I always feel good when I'm done having a conversation. So I want to challenge you guys to think about it tonight. I want you to think about what were the last things you posted? Why did you post them? Think back on the whole year, the last five years. Why did we say those things? Did we do it to build people up? Or was it to tear them down? Think of the conversations you had from day to day with your friends around you, with your classmates, with your teachers. If you have a job, what will you work with? Are you building them up or are we tearing them down with what we say? 
So as you guys go to small group, think about, have you asked God to give you strength in what you say so that way you can benefit and glorify him and build others up? Whether it is on social media or in conversations we have in our life, we need to remember one thing, and this is my main point. If you wrote down anything tonight, write this down. We need to build up others with what we post and say, not tear them down. We should not be using our words to tear others down, but to build them up, whether it's on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, or Instagram. In everything we do, we should build one another. Let's pray.